It's time to talk UK sports with the voice of the Wildcats, Tom Leach. This is the Leach Report Radio Network. Join in the discussion by tweeting your questions to at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. And you can call 877-904-1080. Now, along with an outstanding lineup of guests and broadcast to the most passionate fan base in America, the Big Blue Nation, here's the voice of the Wildcats. Tom Leach. Hello, everybody. It is our Thursday edition of the Leach Report, and glad you guys are uh, on board. Sunny skies here in Lexington at the moment, but hot, hot, hot. Uh, but it's July, so goes with the territory. Uh, coming up on the show today, Justin Rowland from Cats Illustrated. Um, we will talk with John Lewis from WDRB-TV, and Ron Anderson will join us, uh, I think, for the first time. He is a jockey agent, so we're doing a little Keelan-related uh, horse racing conversation this week. So uh, Ron Anderson, who's one of the top jock agents in the world, uh, he's two of his clients, maybe his only two, are Joel Rosario and John Velasquez, two of the top riders anywhere. So um, we'll talk with Ron about... Uh, his job and his uh, his guys for the big races this weekend. Uh, and just as an aside, uh, Ron is a close friend of our buddy Coach Ortmeyer. Uh, they got to be friends when Coach Ort was, uh, I think, out in California with the Raiders. And um, uh, so Ort helped me uh, set up the, uh, the interview with Ron. So that's what's coming up on our show today. Wildcat News of the Day is a service of Cardinal Point Financial Group. That's private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services. So we'll give you a couple of uh, news items that relate to the coronavirus and the college football season, which is the first sport that has come up. Ivy League yesterday canceled all of their fall sports. So I think a lot of people are seeing that as a possible precursor to uh, schools at higher levels of competition making that same decision. That's how it happened in the spring, where the Ivy League canceled basketball, uh, their postseason, and uh, people were shocked that this would happen and then pretty quickly every everybody else fell in line now i think there is a difference this time in that it was very new at that time now uh, we do know more far from everything certainly but we know more as a society certainly in the medical field uh, than we did then so i I don't think it's as uh, much of an automatic that uh, other schools will follow the ivy league but Certainly possible. So we'll we'll see how this plays out. I think um, I still think you're probably looking at sometime toward the end of the month. Uh, I would think would have to be about the timeline for a decision on college football because you've got to let the players get out there and start practicing in August and getting ready for a season if you're going to have it. Uh, the in the NFL, the Ravens are telling their season ticket holders to expect. Fewer than 14,000 fans, about 20% capacity of their stadium. So it's just a, an interesting thing we uh, threw out there in terms of if games are played, how many people would get to watch. The South Carolina Athletics Director uh, did a radio interview in which he said they're looking at maybe, uh, one of their scenarios anyway, 15,000, maybe 20 at most at uh, williams Bryce Stadium, uh, which is at think in the neighborhood of about 80,000 uh, at full capacity. 
So as you uh, imagine the possible start of a college football season, you know, if they play, I think there will be some level of fans that uh, are there if, if games are played. But, um, you know, given the the way things look currently with the level of cases coming in, et cetera, you know, it seems like whatever the number would be might be getting might get dialed back if um, if games are played and if uh, fans are allowed to attend and if is the word we use probably more often than any, any other right now. A couple of football recruiting notes. Class of 22 QB, Caden Veltkamp, if I'm pronouncing correctly, uh, has an offer from UK, 6'5", pro-style QB, out of South Warren High School. Justin Rowland follows the recruiting scene closely. We'll talk with him about young Mr. Veltkamp here in a bit. AL.com did a story uh, listing some of the, or listing the top up-and-coming SEC football assistant coaches under age 40. Not surprisingly, John Sumrall on that list. John's going to join us on the program uh, tomorrow. Uh, Racing day two of the summer meet at Keeneland. Our Keeneland coverage this week is presented by Claiborne Farm, doing the usual unusually well for more than 100 years. Uh, Swiss skydivers going to run against the boys in the Bluegrass Stakes. Kenny McPeak, the trainer, uh, entered his filly in the Toyota Bluegrass Stakes yesterday. She'll become just the second filly ever and the first since 1944 to contest the Bluegrass. And she should have a big shot. She has a three-race win streak. She's already qualified for the Oaks. Um, so I think this is uh, an interesting challenge, maybe with an eye toward uh, the Derby if, if it goes well. So uh, we'll see what uh, Kenny is thinking if, if it does indeed go well. But it's an interesting storyline. And we're, we'll, of course, be out there with uh, UK Network Radio broadcast on Saturday covering the Bluegrass and the other five graded stakes races on the Blockbuster Saturday card out at Keeneland. Uh, so we'll be talking a lot about Swiss Skydiver going against the boys in the Toyota Bluegrass Stakes. Uh, today at Keeneland, a couple of interesting angles on the very first race. First, uh, it's two-year-olds, uh, a horse named Fauci, who made his debut for Wesley Ward up in New York uh, several weeks ago, is running in the first race today. And if you are a name player, that's certainly an intriguing one for you. And also in that same first race, Steve Asmussen's son, Keith, is going to be a jockey. He is new to the riding game. He is 21 years old. He's only ridden six times down in Texas. So now this is going to be his first start at Keeneland, looking for his first victory uh, with a first-time starter named Super Stock in that first race today. And in the eighth race, our uh, play of the day for you is going to be figure it out from the barn of Tom Amos at 6-1, to one, although I think those odds will probably come down a little bit. But um, claimed by Amos out of the last race and really ran impressively uh, last time. In really good form right now. Multiple winner in a field where uh, that's not the case for many of them. So figure it out for me in the eighth race today is the pick of the day. Let's get to the Wildcat or uh, to the Wildcat news of the day. Let's get to a break, and then we'll get back to uh, Justin Rowland from Cats Illustrated. It's the Leach Report Radio Network, and links to the stories that we talk about, you can find them on the Bud Light Leach Report page. That is at TomLeachKY.com. We'll be right back. Look for the Leach Report on Facebook. Show updates, contests, and other cool stuff. Check it out today. 
It's the Leach Report. We go to the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline. Bring on Justin Rowland from CatsIllustrated.com for a little U.K. sports conversation. Uh, Justin, I was reading a story by Tony Barnhart uh, this morning. just came out uh, a little while ago uh, from um, the guy known as Mr. College Football. And he talked about how he was optimistic back in May, didn't have any doubt there'd be a college football season. His main doubt was whether or not there would be fans in the seats. Said on June 26, he wrote he was starting to get a little nervous over the number of positive tests from players who had returned to campus, but still thought there were going to be games. And he writes, today, for the first time, I'm genuinely concerned we're not going to be able to play college football in 2020. Sure hope I'm wrong. So that's from a guy that's pretty plugged in. So he's talking to a lot of the decision makers, I'm sure. Uh, what are you uh, taking from what you're reading and hearing right now as far as your level of optimism? I'm probably still more optimistic than some people. I think if your starting assumption was, you know, if it if the virus is widespread, if there are hot spots everywhere, then we're not going to be able to play, then this would be a very concerning time for you. But I think it's a, it's a complicated situation. I mean, there are a lot of variables. It's it's the intricate web of problems that arise if you don't have a season. I mean, that's there are a million problems associated with not having a season. And, and you're talking about the cratering of athletic budgets everywhere, scholarship opportunities disappearing forever, staffs being reduced immensely. Um, you, you see what happened at Stanford with 11 sports being wiped out, programs at other schools already going away. These, these things aren't coming back. Um, and, and then you have to ask the question, uh, are, are, are they safer? Are the kids safer back home where I think Americans have already shown we don't have a lot of discipline about wearing masks and staying and staying away from these these problem situations. Are they safer at home than they are in 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 closed team settings that are being routinely sanitized? And a lot of the a lot of the positive tests are happening because they're testing regularly. And if they were testing regularly at home, I assume there would probably be a lot of positive positive tests for those players as well. So I think it's a complicated situation. I would still guess they're going to play. Uh, the one thing I don't think we've seen anywhere else, anywhere yet with all the positive tests is any players that are, or even staff members that I'm aware of, that have become seriously ill. Is that your understanding? Yeah, I mean, if that once that happens, and I think it's, it's we, there's been a lot of talk about whether the Italian strain of the virus is more... Is, is is weaker and more easily transmitted. That, that could make it less severe in general, even if cases are going up. But eventually, somebody is going to get really sick from it. And how people respond to that is going to, I think, um, determine whether we're going to have a season. I think they want to put off the decision as far as possible. Um, I don't think other schools are going to be as, as, as looking far down the line as the Ivy Leagues were. And um, I think the Ivy, Ivy League situation is a different situation but but some people are taking that as a foreshadowing cue for what, what other leagues are going to do and i'm not sure that that's that's totally wise i think i'm with you i think they're going to try to wait as long as they can before making a decision at this point um you know athletic programs have uh, invested a lot into uh, their product setting up their safety protocols and their testing and uh you know i think they're going to wait my guess would be kind of toward the end of the month, maybe even a, a, a few days longer. But at some point in August, uh, for football, it would seem to me the the real 
deciding point is when you put large groups of players out on the field for practices. Right now they can you know, do things in small groups and, and condition and do their and manage it much more easily, but that changes the game a lot. So I would think that would be the, the point at which a decision is kind of the, the drop-dead point, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. And, you know, liability is going to be a factor. You know, there, there's, there's a lot to be said on both sides of it. It's certainly once you make that decision to go and practice, you're saying we're not going to totally protect them at that point. Now, you could counter um, that they're being tested on a very regular basis, so they're minimizing the risk and trying to isolate, and they're in a team setting where they're sanitizing. For It seems like some places have dealt with it a lot better than others. Notre Dame, for instance, I think there was one positive test or no positive test, and 103 tests, and that was the second or third round of testing there, and other places haven't handled it so well. So, you know, I've talked to a couple of people off the record close to Kentucky, and they just don't know. And it's almost like they don't want to think about, you know, the problems associated with not playing, but they seem to realize that it is a possibility. Yeah, um, uh, that yeah, in sports, coaches, uh, probably more so than, than most, but everybody's kind of you 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 look for results you look for uh you know facts and um you don't like uncertainty and not knowing uh and uh, there's a lot of you know not knowing and not being able to feel confident about you know where the the ship is headed right now and i'm sure uh well obviously that's frustrating for fans and coaches and administrators and players uh, the whole lot it's hard I mean, it's interesting to think about the domino effect if there if there isn't a season because it, it's an endless stream of possibilities. I mean, you have an 85 scholarship limit. You know, if you don't have a season, um, they could push it to the spring and then make a decision again before the spring. But if you don't have a season, you either everyone loses a year of eligibility or you've got this crunch where you give everyone a waiver for another year, but you've got incoming high school freshmen. And do you, do you raise the limit of scholarships to 110, which runs yeah. into an issue with women's scholarships in Title IX and equal under the law there at the same time that you've got the budget crunch coming down on everybody? I mean, that's just one of thousands of issues that yeah. they would have to sort out. Yeah. No, that's a, that's a really good point that I really hadn't even uh uh, considered that struggle that uh, and you don't see it talked about, but you make a very good point. Quick break. We'll come back. One more segment with Justin Rowland from Cats Illustrated. We'll get into some other topics. We come right back. It's the Leach Report Radio Network. This is where the Big Blue Nation gathers. It's Talk Radio 1080 and the Leach Report, followed by Kentucky Sports Radio. We're back with Justin Rowland on the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline. You can read him at CatsIllustrated.com. It's at Roland Rivals on Twitter. Uh, Kentucky's, uh, from what I see, has extended an offer to a class of 22 quarterback from South Warren High School, Caden Veltkamp. Um, what do you know about him? Yeah, he's an interesting kid. He is from he's in, he's in Kentucky now. He's the second 2022 quarterback from Kentucky that they've offered, the other being Gavin Wimsat of Owensboro, and I don't remember the last time Kentucky had offered two in-state quarterbacks from the same class. Um, they've recruited in-state quarterbacks really well recently. You think about Bo Allen, you think about Kaya Sharon now, um, and, and generally since Brian Brom went to Louisville, they've recruited 
the state's top quarterbacks well. Uh, he, Belt Camp is from all over. His dad is the strength coach, I want to say, at Western Kentucky now, and they've been in Arkansas, they've been at Louisville in the past, they've been all over the place, even the NFL jobs that he's had. And uh, this is his first offer, so it's one that he's very serious about. And he said he said he's always wanted to play in the SEC. So you got to figure Kentucky would be appealing to him, but he's gonna he's gonna wait it out for a little while. Interesting. And um, you know, kids like that often. You know, it's one thing if you're a, a Kentucky kid who's grown up here, or followed the Wildcats, maybe your whole family has, as opposed to somebody who's you know uh, hasn't grown up that way. Yeah, somebody else like that was uh, maybe not moving around quite as much, but I want to say Elijah Sindelar, um, yes. who lived in Kentucky but was not originally from Kentucky. Obviously, he eventually was drawn to Purdue, so there's not as much of a tie to the state, but he is in Kentucky. It's his first offer, and he loves the SEC, so just the dynamics there, you'd figure. The question for me that arises, how do they feel about Gavin Wimsatt? If they thought they were going to get him, would they have offered Caden Camp, or maybe they just like both of them, and it would be a first-to-commit kind of deal, so that's interesting. Uh, you guys are doing some uh, round table, some of the roundtable discussions with the staff. Um, one I saw that I'll get you to elaborate on a little bit. Uh, let's we'll assume there's a, a football season. Who will be Kentucky's leading rusher? Because you've got kind of a running back by committee, including some guys that uh, didn't play last season. Yeah, you know, we, I think we all picked uh, AJ Rose. He was the the leading uh, running back rusher last. Season. I don't know that any of them are going to get to a thousand yards between him and Cavosier Smoke and Chris Rodriguez. Um, I went with Rose because the staff has, has generally tended to reward experience and seniority guys that they trust, and Rose is that. He's going to have a high average because he's always a threat to break off a pretty big gainer. And a lot of people responded saying they think Smoke is going to be the leading rusher. To me, I mean, on a per carry basis, he, he was fantastic. He just hasn't proven to have that workhorse quality yet I, th- I would be more inclined to go with chris rodriguez if it was somebody other than rose i think rodriguez he had over 400 yards in the last five games but really you know it could be any of those guys they've got they've got the, a real luxury of having great depth there indeed they do justin roland cats illustrated.com is where you can read the uh, roundtable discussion another one on wide receivers that uh, maybe we'll get into next week when justin joins us thanks for the time as always thanks tom Halfway home on the Leach Report, jock agent Ron Anderson and John Lewis of WDRB coming up in the second half. This is the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. You can interact with the show via Twitter at Leach Report. Now, here's Tom. Second half of our show for this Thursday here on the Leach Report, and we are trying to hook up with Ron Anderson. I hopefully have him here in just a moment. Uh, I mentioned that it's day two of the summer meet at Keeneland. The stakes races kick in tomorrow, including the first grade one, the Maker's Mark Mile, and they have a nice field of I think ten drawn for that. A couple of uh, Chad Brown trained horses that will be. Likely the top two betting choices, um, War of Will for Mark Cassie, 
Preakness winner from last year. He's in that race. And then yesterday they drew the fields for all six of the graded stakes on Saturday. We mentioned Swiss Skydiver earlier is going to run against the boys in the bluegrass stakes. Really uh, interesting angle to that race uh, now that uh, you've got her trying to be the first filly ever to win it. Um, so at the uh, meet type of meet that's never happened before at Keeneland, uh, we could see something happen that's never happened before in the Toyota Bluegrass Stakes. And then uh, we had a small field for the uh, for the Central Bank Ashland, but a uh, really uh, well-matched group. It's a, it's a, uh, I think that's why the field so, is, is small, is that you've got uh, some really top fillies that are in there. And so that's going to be a, a nice race. We'll be covering all six of the graded stakes on Saturday from out at Keeneland on our uh, day at Keeneland on the U.K. Network. Um, presented by uh, Toyota coming up on Saturday. We'll start the broadcast at 2 Eastern time. It'll be on our flagship station here in Lexington. I think there's some other affiliates around the state carrying it. You'll be able to to listen on the um, UK Athletics feed and the iHeartRadio app as well. So a lot of you, I think, probably will have some uh, derby-type parties uh, for the big Saturday. You can't go to Keeneland, but you can get folks together uh, safely and in small groups to watch the races and kind of have a, a derby party in July. And um, that's uh, that will be fun, hopefully, on uh, Saturday to um, for a lot of folks to be able to consume the Keeneland races that way. Uh, hey, what, uh, Shannon, um, go ahead and go to our, uh, oh, okay, let's go. Ron Anderson joining us on the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline. Ron, how you doing? I'm great. How are you? Doing well. Uh, I mentioned you and uh, Coach Ortmeyer buddies, uh, go back a ways, right? You know, Steve and I have been friends for wow, a long time since he was with, uh, the Raiders, um, many, many years ago and came to Los Angeles. I've been friends with Steve for, I mean, probably 30 years. He's a, he's a special guy. Really is a good he is guy. A, he is a good, uh, good dude. Um, I want to talk a little bit, uh, with you about, uh, a, the role that you play of being a jock agent, one of the top ones in the world. Uh, you have, uh, two of your, clients that are going to be active in the stakes at Keeneland this weekend, Joel Rosario and uh, Johnny Velasquez. But first, just tell us how one comes to be a, a jock agent. <laughs> That's a good story, I guess. Uh, I was going to college uh, with an idea of going to UCLA and becoming an attorney, and I kind of took uh, a jock's book kind of on a whim. Uh, two friends of mine, Scotty McClellan and Craig O'Brien's fathers, had been agents and set them up uh, in California. And I took a jock named Robert Howard, which nobody would know. He was from Maryland, but he kind of couldn't find an agent. And he wasn't the most likable or uh, uh, guy, or he wasn't that great a writer. But I took him kind of on a whim to, to just try it out. I was looking for a break for, from school. And, uh, you know, 40, what, 48 years, 47 <laughs> years later, I'm still doing this. You know, fortunate enough to work for all the right riders. You know, I'm, I know I'm super good. I understand all that. But you have to have the right tool. And I've been fortunate enough to have, have the right tool. When 34 yeah, like- Breeders' Cup races, there's no one even close to that. I think Mike Smith's only won 25 or 26. 14 Triple Crown races, won the Derby four times. So, like I said, I'm I'm real good, but I, I've had I've had the right guys, and it's 
it's not rocket the, science when you have these guys. They're, they're just great. A jock agent for our casual racing fans in the audience, you're the person that is booking the riders on the mount. So you're trying to uh, network with trainers, find out who's going to be running in a certain race. Uh, you got to know the form of the horse, how the horse is training to kind of get your guy or guys on the horses that have the best chance to win to uh, to make this all work out. So what goes for you, what goes into um, the information that you accumulate to get your guys on the, the right horses? Well, I'm like an actor, like I tell people, I'm like an actor's agent. I find work for these guys that I work for, the two guys right now, obviously, Joel Rosario and Johnny Velasquez. And what I like to tell people, it's like a big puzzle of which the first thing I kind of go off is what I call hands-on stuff. So hands-on would mean that the rider rode the last time that you observed, that you knew their form, and you, or that they've been on one in the morning, say, to breeze or to work one. You plot that kind of into a condition book that has races, uh, all the races projected for the next two or three weeks. And then you kind of piece the puzzle together due to um, people inquiring. You know, you got your Billy Motts and your Chad Browns and your, you know, Todd Pletchers and stuff that reach out to you. You give them a preference because they win so much. And then you plot that into the book and then... You know, there's a lot of little intricacies, and like I say to people, this business that I'm in, there's no, there's no blueprint. There's no, I can't tell you to go read a book and you'll know how to do it. It's all kind of trial and error, um, such as lots of lots of life. So, uh, and there's always, you know, little quirks and little changes and things as you go. So it's kind of. It's a lot of experience and a lot of years of doing this that it takes to, to be any good at it. Uh, we had an a interview session we did earlier this week uh, with Coach Stoops and Shug McGahee, two very successful guys from different fields coming together. One of the things Coach Stoops mentioned in there for his job as a football coach, uh, he talked about uh, somebody told him one time that he thought this was good advice, you've got to have a great a good plan, but you also have to have a good gut. In other words, to be able to trust your instincts. For you, you have a plan. I mean, you study a lot of numbers, I'm sure. You you have the relationships. Is there an element of it, though, that is kind of a, uh, instinctive that uh, comes from not being able to have those books you mentioned to to learn it from? Yes. Yes, there is. I, you know, I uh, derive a lot of uh, uh, feel and gut from just horsemen, uh, like I tell people, uh, I was in Hong Kong with Gary Stevens for a stint, and lots of people couldn't even uh, speak English very well. But you can you develop a sense of whether the guy's trying to talk you into something or BS you when he's pitching a horse for you to ride, whether he's trying to BS himself, or you know you know right away with dealing with horsemen the uh, confidence level that they have. So I, I go off a lot of that too. Um, at this point. It, like I said, it's uh, it, it, it's a lot of inst- it's a lot of instincts. Uh, like uh, Coach Stoops, it sounds like you, you just kind of trial and error and, and experience. You you get to a point where you trust that and and, and go with it. Your guys, uh, your two guys, uh, Joel and Johnny, are going to be uh, very active over the next couple of days at this Keeneland Summer Meet with um, the stakes races six Saturday, a couple tomorrow. Um, if you're comfortable, uh, give our listeners a little insight into where you think some of your, your better chances are. Well, um, 
You know, I, I think we're well suited. Let's start off with the big race. Um, the bluegrass, uh, Johnny's interested, interesting on a horse of second for Ralph Nix that's drawn the one hole. Um, Shivery. Uh, I think he's interesting, going to be, yeah, very forwardly placed in the race. Uh, obviously, the racetrack is is more, I wouldn't call it speedy, but I, you want it, would rather be up in the race than, than too far behind. I think he's interesting as well as Joel's horse enforceable of Mark Cassie. I wish he hadn't drawn quite so far outside, but he's a horse that lags a little bit. Uh, I know he's trained very forwardly for Mark, so I think I've got two excellent chances here. Um, obviously, uh, the big announcement in the race would be that the filly of uh, Kenny McPeak uh, Swiss skydiver is running in this race rather than the than the uh, the apple or the uh, Ashland, which gives me two excellent chances with both of them in the Ashland with Joel riding uh, Venetian Harbor for R- Richard Baltus, who will probably be in front. It looks like, and Johnny ended up with her on a real nice filly, Bonnie South for Brad Cox. So I think of of these two races, I have four excellent chances to win. Um, you know, you go to the uh, Jenny Wiley, and obviously the big favorite's going to be Russian Fall. She's uh, four for five at Keeneland, which is has always been, you know, a, a, a huge advantage when they like that course there. Uh, but I have two that could obviously be uh, on the board. I think for you know your trifecta plays or whatever. I'm not expecting either one could could probably win, but they'd have a fighting chance to be on the board. I think. Um, you go to the rest of the, the stakes. Uh, Joel rides a uh, extravagant kid for uh, Brendan Walsh in the sprint. It's a big field, but I, I could see him come running. And, um, the other race is Alms. Uh, Joel rides in the Appalachian for uh, Mike Stidham. Uh, definitely, probably the one to beat in this race. I'm I'm I was very very excited going into the draw yesterday for this Saturday card at Keeneland. Um, and I'm, I'm very excited uh, coming out of it. I think both of my boys have, have excellent chances the whole day. Ron, I appreciate the time. Uh, I know it's uh, busy this time of day. His trading hours are ending, so we'll let you get back to work. But uh, thank you for jumping on board with us. Thanks, Tom. Take care. This Ron Anderson, he's uh, one of the best in the biz as a jock agent. Uh, was with Gary Stevens for a, a long time. A lot of those Breeders' Cup Triple Crown wins came in that partnership with Gary. We're getting to a break. John Lewis from WDRB when we come right back. On the Leach Report, yes, coming to you via the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline. Find out more about the voice of the cats and get great coverage of the Big Blue at TomLeachKY.com. It's the Leach Report. About 11 away from the top of the hour. We go to the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline. Bring on John Lewis from WDRB-TV in Louisville. So, uh, John, will uh, gauge your optimism level for... The start of the football season, high school and and, and college. Um, what where where are you trending at the moment, uh, Tom? I, I'm I, it's it's trending lower every day. I mean, I and I you know I I try to be an optimist, but you know these days you have to kind of be a realist. And when you start seeing, you know, it, with, with U of L, 
you know, just the other day saying they had a couple of positive tests and they paused down, you know, for basketball for, for 14 days. Then you see the Ohio State news. Then you see the Ivy League. Then you – it's just – to me, it's like I can't imagine a scenario where you put high school and college kids um, at risk because you want to play football. I just – it's just – it's. I, I'm trying to wrap my head around – how could they do it? What would it look like? And how do you keep these players safe? And I can't come up with anything. Luckily, there are people that are much smarter than me that are in charge. So hopefully they could figure out a way just for everyone safe that are especially involved that want to play. But trying for trending very negatively right now. And it's, you know, it's July. That's bad. That same weekend is obviously the Kentucky Derby, Labor Day weekend when college football is slated to start and the Oaks on Friday and the Derby on Saturday and other racing days that week churchill downs just completed a a very successful uh meet in which it was able to race every day not have any issues with the coronavirus but uh, no fans um do you think if if it came to that they would do the same thing with with derby or is uh, some element of attendance imperative to make that to uh pull that off or to want to pull that off Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure they want to, and I'm sure they want to do at least, you know, maybe half capacity or something. But again, I mean, you're, you know, half capacity at Churchill Downs would what on Derby Day be about seventy five thousand people. I mean, I, I don't, I don't know how you how you would pull that off. But I think there are going to be a lot of eyes on Louisville on Sunday. Um, now it's on a much smaller scale, but uh, Louisville City FC, the soccer club here, the USL team, they're going to play. It'll be actually it'll be the first sporting event in the nation to have fans at a home venue and they had approval for 50 percent capacity from the governor but they're going to go with 30 percent to try to uh you know stay as safe as possible so i think there are going to be a lot of eyes on louisville city this weekend and they said as much too because i think they may be able to show a blueprint of how you can have fans at home venues and still say still stay still say stay safe so that's the question that, you know, you want to see, like, what's going to happen two weeks after that initial uh, home game. And, you know, that's probably going to be about, I'm guessing, 4,500 people or so. But this is a much larger scale we're talking about. I don't, you, obviously, as you said, with Churchill Downs, you can have a very successful um, meet. And I think they could have the Kentucky Derby in front of no fans. I know they wouldn't want to do that, but um, unless there's a vaccine that comes out in the next couple of months, it's just, again, it's hard for me to envision how that happens safely. So uh, fans that are rooting for sports in the fall with uh, football primarily at the top of that list should be uh, paying attention to the soccer match and the aftermath, uh, that it goes well and that two weeks later you don't show up with uh, a, a bunch of positive tests out of that, et cetera. Yeah, I think I think that's true. And, you know, if, it, if there's, let's say, 4,000, 4,500 fans there, that's certainly a lot more than you would have for a lot of high school games. So maybe there's there's something mm-hmm. positive in that that would happen. Um, Good point. But yeah, I think a lot of people should keep an eye on that, and it's it's going to be in the spotlight. I think. I mean, it, there, there's already a lot of attention that's being pointed toward that because, um, you know, this is kind of the this is the first in the nation where they're going to have a home venue, you know, in a sporting event, people in the stands, and they have even uh, they they've used a service which. Well, a software service that spaces people out by tickets and by pods. So if you wanted to go with your family, you're able to sit in a pod, but the next person would in, or in an area, but the next group of tickets will be at least six feet away. So they, they've got that figured out. Now that's a, you know, 15,000 uh, capacity stadium. I know they would like to have a lot more, but this, this is, a, I think this is a good trial run. Uh, so 
pay attention to uh, to that in the coming weeks. Something else, I was looking at your Twitter feed just to uh, mine a few topics, and I saw, I saw something about uh, George H.W. Bush and, and an invitation to speak at your high school graduation. <laughs> Tell me that story. Well, well no, actually what, <laughs> what happened was uh, my dad, kind of as a joke in 1989, he sent a um, he sent an invitation to George Bush to attend my high school graduation from Leslie County High School. As you might imagine, George H. W. Bush didn't make it to the graduation, but he did Stunning. send an extremely nice card. And where that came from was someone else had pointed out, like people had sent their parents, I think, had sent some different uh, letters to to George H. W. Bush at the time, and he always responded. Um, now, you know, whether it was his press secretary or someone in the office, but it, there was always a card, and it was always, um, it wasn't just some form. It was it was signed and said, sorry, I'm not able to make it to the Leslie County High School graduation, but congratulations. So, you know, it was just, it was it was kind of nice, and, you know, my dad was a huge uh, George H.W. Bush fan and thought, yeah, you know what, I'm, I'm going to send, uh, send a letter just, just as kind of a goof, and he actually, he actually got a response. Certainly not surprised to hear that uh, former President uh, Bush, Bush 41, uh, handled it in a classy manner. That would have been expected. I think that's what a lot of people have, have always, that was, has always kind of been his uh, his reputation, certainly while he was in office as VP and president, that he was a classy guy. Good story. Uh, John, thank you for the time. Uh, we're running a little short here, so we'll holler at you again. But uh, thanks for jumping on. Hey, anytime. Thank you, Tom. It's John Lewis, WDRB-TV, so pay attention to the soccer game this weekend and uh, and the aftermath from it. We'll get to a break, come back, wrap up this edition of the Leach Report. This day in uh, Wildcat history, no uh, facts to pass along to you, but we do have some birthdays. Headlined by the football coach for the Cats, Mark Stoops celebrates a birthday today. So you can uh, give Coach Stoops birthday wishes. We uh, send a shout-out his way for hopefully what will be a happy, happy birthday. Scotty Basler, the former Lexington mayor and Kentucky basketball player uh, and a U.S. representative as well, uh, celebrating a birthday. Carlos Tuber. One-time Wildcat celebrating a birthday today as well. That'll do it for this edition of the Leach Report. Thanks for joining us. Coming up on the show uh, tomorrow, John Sumrall, uh, Clocker, Thoroughbred Racing Clocker, Bruno DiGiulio, and we'll see you guys then on the Leach Report. Have a good day, everybody. to the Leach Report. Make sure you check out the podcast page at TomLeachKY.com whenever you miss a show. And be sure to follow the Leach Report Facebook page. If you have a question for Tom, email it to leechreports at gmail.com. See you next time, right here.